gang, it is that time of the week. It is the best Tuesday I've had all week, and this is The True Wealth Show. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Joining me in studio... Again, Matt Dixon. Again, Matt Dixon. I feel like we- I've been on this show a few times now. I know, it feels... Well, we've even added your picture to the graphic. I know, it made me feel pretty special. Right, and so now all that means is you have to take all the phone calls. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> take me off that photo. Like, wait, wait, we need to do a Hey, <laughs> what if someone wants to check out this cool new podcast? It, it, it's not out yet, though, I don't think. Have we started using it? I don't, well, I think that it was dropped in the... Uh, Maybe. I think it's in, in Blueberry. I think where we're hosting. Okay, right? I think, okay, I think yeah. it was dropped there, so you start to go we look like a per- the podcast. Yeah. You can find we look it. pretty official now. We're very... Uh, and we're everywhere. We've managed to make it into, like iTunes and I mean well yeah distributions I mean mean, we're in all the major we are spots if you want to find the podcast now we're just trying to convince more people to listen and if you are unaware we're starting to video these things too and we're trying to break them into segments so we greetings to all and uh, hey on camera right so Matt Mm -hmm. we got I I think today one of the things that I I know we talked about that I want to bring up here is we really want to talk to folks that have company retirement plans today. All but, right. But there's some stuff in the news that I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't take a moment because our listeners, I just know you're with me on this. We just need to rant a little bit. There's so much stuff going on right now. Like the list, uh, we could go all day probably. Oh my gosh. There's so much to rant about. And then there's some things that are really interesting. Like, uh, so first, Matt, trick question, mm-hmm. okay? Because I don't know how you answer it. Does Apple change the world again? It looks like they're sure slated to do that, right? Like they just released their Vision Pro, their VR goggles, and you might be like, "Oh, VR goggles? What?" Just go look at the video. These things are insane. You can actually see through them, which a lot of them can't, right? Like Facebook, Meta, they released theirs. You put them on, and all you can see is what's we're you know on the screen. We're about to test Matt on something. Yeah. And we're also going to validate my own age on air here. Ugh. Do you remember a little thing called Google Glass? I do actually, and <laughs> it's I, like ten years ago. But it didn't go anywhere. No, it, but, it flopped. Right. But, it, but Apple users are loyal. They're diehards, and if you release something, all true. The, here's my question. Mm-hmm. Okay, how many people? will pay $3,500 for a pair of goggles. A lot. A lot more than I think we would care to to believe. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know because it seems to me that it's a highly specialized application that's really expensive. And Mm -hmm. so they're definitely going to test the markets. I mean, everybody was like, wait a second, this new iPhone's over Mm $1,000. And sales did slow. Right. right, like significantly, that was a break point, and a lot of folks don't associate the cost of the phone. They just look at the cost of the monthly bill because most of the time the carrier is helping finance the purchase of the device. That's a trend anymore, right? When you go to shop for a car, too many people are like, "I don't really care what the purchase price is. Just tell me what I have to pay a month." Yeah, which to me is one of the that's ludicrous to yeah, me. Yeah, it's just a really dumb way to to Absolutely. purchase a vehicle because it's such a depreciating asset. You're mm-hmm. like, well, let me just saddle on to payments for a long time, paying for something that could have lost all its value, mm-hmm. right? So it's yeah. just, it's a really reckless way to purchase a vehicle. Uh, and uh, you, you really can understand why 
the seller of the vehicle would encourage this sort of attitude or approach, right? Right. They can oh, charge it's, more it's just for like it. like a lease. You're just buying it, right? Except that you own this liability now. The finance manager is going to make more money because you're probably going to get stuck with a six or I think, aren't yeah. they doing like seven year loans now on oh, new vehicles? Yeah. 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 I mean, you can see really long, 84 month loans and stuff like that. You're like, good golly. And then they'll tack two or three extra months on because, well, we just need you to get to this payment. So mm-hmm. they'll, they'll just sort of you know, manipulate those numbers, but what they really do is just tacking more payments on. And uh, I know I've driven some finance managers nuts in the past because I've gone in and said, well, you know, I wanna pay this. And then they present a different vehicle and I go, well, for this vehicle, I wanna pay that. And they said, well, you just said you can make the payments. I'm like, but I'm not playing the game of whether or not I can do the payment. I'm playing the game of does this meet my value criteria for what I'm paying for? <laughs> That's a much better approach. Yeah, and so, but it, it's really aggravating if the sale is a game. I'm much more interested in why don't you just tell me what margin you need to make on the vehicle, mm-hmm. and based on that, we'll decide whether or not the deal happens. Okay, I'm, I'm so much more a fan of this sort of transparent price discovery and. You know, it either works or it doesn't, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's it. I mean, you don't expect to the car company's going to lose money selling you a car. That's mm-hmm. bad business. So I don't expect that. I just don't expect to put their kid through college on that one car. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Well, here's the one that's really interesting. So Apple, sure, they throw the virtual reality headset out there. I think that's really interesting. Uh, I think there's another one that just from the market perspective, this is kind of a quiet week. We've been sort of slowly drifting higher, although today was kind of a mixed bag. But a lot of tech driving this market right now. Uh, We're seeing major indexes that are very heavily tech-weighted, and and frankly, our economy is very tech-weighted. It is. so, So we've seen a lift higher, but what happens next week? The Fed meeting minutes. Um, Fed and the, the, meeting and. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to release the decision on whether they want to raise rates or not. I and know, I know. Right? You know, for the first time, it seems like they're really torn on what they're going to do. But, I mean, we've handicap. seen so many ones where it's like, yeah, we know they're going to raise rates. Yeah, we know they're going to raise rates. This one seems a little bit different because we yeah. don't necessarily know if they are or if they're just If you're just curious how the market views it, you can look, go Google um, FOMC, like Fed Funds Futures, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the Chicago Chicago Mercantile Exchange, I think the CME group that does futures for the Fed rate. And you can look month to month at where the projections are based on who's buying future contracts of rates. And it's about a 80% probability that they won't raise rates based mm. on what we're seeing. And about it, so you know, roughly twenty percent probability of a twenty-five basis point increase. I'm not so hey. confident in those probabilities. Really, now, I'm not. I think that it's possible that we still see rates go up, especially if, for like, I think it's Thursday we get another weekly jobs numbers. Well, posted. and didn't the last jobs report come in looking hot? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's and and that's the weird one is you look around and go, um. The, the, it's a, such a mixed data set when you go, hey, the economy's strong, but everything's so much more expensive that you feel like you can't afford the economy that we're in. So strong, but it's not very fun to be in as a consumer. Yeah, I right? think that's a good way to describe it. So how not fun, would you say? Oh, this is my segue into the big uh, surprise. Ooh, right? I want 
what's the surprise? <laughs> it's not a surprise. It's in the news. Ah. But um, I, as I understand, it's both State Farm and Allstate Insurance will no longer be writing new homeowners, homeowners insurance policies in the state of California. Wow. I mean, yeah. that's a huge market to be huge, walking huge away market. from. And the question is, why? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think they're not going to issue new homeowners well, policies? Probably because California has been so expensive. There's been a lot of wildfires. There's been, you know, a lot of drought and then a lot of rain causing flooding. There's right. They've had so much extremes with the weather. And then the inflation side of it, the mm-hmm. cost of labor going up like it has. So here's my understanding. Fact check it all you want because I've only gone so deep into this thing. But I believe that uh, I think it was Allstate that asked for a 12.5% increase in premiums to cover their risk exposure. And the state of California didn't authorize it. So they mm. said that we're leaving the marketplace. Now, I think people that are there, they, they get to maintain their policies until renewal. It is unclear if they will renew those policies. Wow. Right? That's a huge shift. It's a huge shift. And if people are thinking, and I think this is where maybe legislatively uh, the insurance regulators sort of missed conceptually what they were doing. I mean, it, I think they were playing a game of chicken and just thought, no, we're a huge market. And so they want access to all that premium money. And so they're going to do this. But remember, insurance regulation is not like banking. It's not fractional mm-hmm. reserves. Yeah. The insurance companies have to have dollars on reserve. In order to meet yeah, like to a crisis. Their, yeah, yeah. To, to, to meet their potential obligations. And so actuarially, that market started getting pretty scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the issue here is that they it just doesn't pencil for them to stay any longer. And you can try to say, well, insurance companies are evil, but I think property and casualty companies are pretty straightforward, Mm -hmm. right? Claim experience costs this much. This is what it costs to pay. And we have to factor in the number of occurrences and how much premium we're spreading that over. Well, what do you do when prices are going nuclear, right? They they go out of control like that. I mean, business-wise, they have to make a decision on what's best for the company. Yeah. And so this, if, if any of you were wondering, what the knock-on effects of money printing are, this is it. Yeah, enter the chat right now. (laughs) I mean, we talked about this on this show almost two years ago when there was so much money printing around COVID, right, which I I guess you're not supposed to say anymore, but whatever, you know, because like all the algorithms online are going to be like, you can't say that, right? Mm -hmm. But there's so much talk about, you know, the disease that shall not be named. (laughs) Well, all that money printing it results in inflation. Inflation destabilizes pricing, in this case, because it's going up. And insurance companies can't actuarially predict that. So if you keep moving the bar, it just keeps raising the cost of everything. Well, that's a, you know, this is collateral damage from runaway inflation from money printing. That yeah, you you have to look at the source. The money printing is the source of the problem. Yeah, yeah. and so... And- you, it's happened. It's too late. Right now, we're dealing with the ramifications, and and that's just and these are really big ramifications. And if you're like that, can't be. You know, it takes a while to have it flood through the system, right? Mm-hmm. You don't. It wasn't like oh, we wrote everybody checks and inflation happens the next day. No, people don't all make buying decisions. In it takes case. a long time for the money to work into the system. I mean, I'm yeah. sure you could come up with a good example of how how many ways that it takes for that money to. Just Finally look at where it in. is in the, in, the, in the purchase of infrastructure, in the medical communities, mm-hmm. the number of businesses that receive 
PPP loans. That's and, a great example. Uh, and uh, what was the other one? The EIDL loans. I mean, like, mm-hmm. these were all a bunch of right. money. Just because you get a loan doesn't mean you go spend it all right away. Exactly. And so that was what was at issue here. And anyhow, it's just a lo- <laughs> that's the knock-on effects. Mm-hmm. And this is a real-life example of the combination of bad policy at a federal level, questionable local policy that's driven pricing higher, and then the the policy for the management of the natural resource, like forest fires, it's a real controversial thing in the Pacific Northwest. You know, most of the folks, especially us in Douglas County, we're pretty close to this. We have a lot of folks that work in this arena. And make no mistake, there's big money thrown around in that for whether or not you do anything, right? There's money in just being on standby to put out fires and then not even doing anything, mm-hmm. but waiting, right? Being on call, there's big money spent. So there's, there's, it, there's just a lot of mess to this thing. And I think we're starting to see the private sector throw its hands up and go, that's just too many oopsies that we can't overcome. Yeah. That does concern me, by the way, as a, as a grander scale picture here is that you, you, if if government grows faster than the private sector, it's like the monster that's growing to the point that it's eating itself, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like it, it can't be, we can't feed it. Can't feed big. that beast. It <laughs> consumes yeah. too much. So I don't know that we're absolutely there, but we are certainly showing the signs. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is one of those examples. So anyway, that's what's in the news right now. Uh, run a little long on segment one, but let's uh, let's grab a break. And when we do, stick around, we'll come back and we'll talk more about workplace retirement plans and why you care. But we got to take this break first. So this is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. Matt. Yep. This will be on video and podcast, right? Oh, yeah, it will. Okay, good. That's all. We're just confirming. If you didn't know, then you're just now listening to the program. If you're listening on podcast, you already get it. So LittleJohnFS.com. Yeah. That's where you're going to go tomorrow if you need to catch the first segment, which is our awesome update on whatever. Yeah, where we, our, our rants about the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get down to hopefully some stuff that's going to be useful for you guys as listeners. All right? And... Uh, what I want to talk about a little bit today, and we're going to sort of start broadly speaking, uh, some things that apply in general across the board. Uh, so not necessarily advice, air quotes, right? But stuff that's going to be common that you're going to want to consider uh, in the workplace retirement plan mm. arena. Yes. Okay? And if this sounds boring to you, well, then maybe you're already retired. In which case, become an expert so you can talk to the people hey, that aren't and help or them. stick around because we're going to talk about some stuff later on in the show that does apply if well, you're already retired. It turns out retirement plans have some a lot of overlap. It's kind of like if I were to say, uh, you know, all cars have some things in common. Like mm-hmm. all cars have four tires. They're not trucks, right? Like we know that. And, you know, they have a couple of doors, they like have steering wheels, some brakes and an accelerator pedal, like the headlights, like that, that. that's just all of the cars have some of those things. So there's some commonality and retirement plans have some of those features that are just common across the board. Mm-hmm. And then there's some customization features too. And it just depends on which one you have. You know, your plan might look different with a government employer than the private sector, right? So we just want to talk about retirement plans 
and there's two parties we care about, right? Mm -hmm. Who are the two parties? The employer and the employee. There we go. Yeah. Right? I mean, so, er and basic. E. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got the participant, the person that's putting money in the plan that they get to take it with them. Mm -hmm. Okay? And then you have the employer, or sometimes called the plan sponsor. A lot of the show, at least right now, we're going to dedicate to participants. Okay? Because as participants, there's some things that we should consider. Like we were just talking during the break. I asked Matt, hey, if there was one thing that you just really wanted to tell our listeners about the this the topic on the show today, which is just workplace retirement plans. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing? And that was all you got to say. What would it be? And the one thing I came up with was you better be contributing. And I'm like, I know this sounds like it's fall off a log easy, but I know way too many people who don't contribute. And there's a match, right? Like they tell me, Typically, oh, yeah. yeah, they tell me, oh, I've got an employer and they're willing to, you know, contribute 3%. If I do 3% or if I do 4%, they'll do 3% or whatever. And they just don't put the money in. And they're like, I just need, I need the money. I need to spend it. I got expenses. I got bills. And I'm like, hey, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. I, I really agree with that too. Um, the lowest hanging fruit of retirement plan return is if there's an employer match, yeah. get it. Yeah. Right. Uh, in fact, there's a there's a mathematical case to be made that getting the match only to then take it out early and pay the penalties on it would still leave you with more money than if you didn't do it. Isn't that a statement? OK. Yeah. In most cases that would be true is get the match. And then pay all the penalties to get paid extra and cash it out early and violate the rules of the plan. You know, and you may still come out money ahead. I think that's the one area that I can think of where people turn down free money. I don't know of anywhere else where I've seen people just blatantly turn down the yeah. free money. But okay. that's the one spot I see it, and I see it way too often. Yeah, and, and that's the part that slays me is, you know, you're going to bring home, let's say, okay, I earned $100. And we're saying put three of those dollars into a retirement plan and the employer's going to put three dollars in. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me, I'm sorry, but that three dollars, I just really need it. And by the way, that three dollars is also going to get taxed. And so it's really going to be about two dollars and fifty cents mm -hmm. or you know, two dollars and twenty five cents. So you really need that. I just need really that need $2. that extra two dollars and twenty five cents to make my life work. And I can't afford to save anything. I say to that, you need to rethink your lifestyle. Uh, yeah, you need to redesign your lifestyle. That's a it's, better it's term for it. It's yeah. possible that you know, you've done everything and you just can't make ends meet cuz this world's gotten very expensive. No, well, yeah. But it's not probable if you have an employer offering retirement plan, odds are good that you have a job that's probably a living wage job. Mhm. Mm Maybe not, right? But probably. And you can and should save for retirement, okay? This, by the way, isn't like, this is the kind of like air quotes advice where I'm like, can you not say that? Like, I, I kind of feel like you can say that mm -hmm. and say, I'm not really risking a whole lot to say you should save some money for a rainy day in the future. And that rainy day could be called retirement or it could just be called later, but you should save some and not spend every dime that you make if you can afford to save some. Mm -hmm. I, that just doesn't seem like there's any liability in that advice. So what about so, uh, speak to the listener who is sitting there and is 
convicted and they're like, ah, you know, I'm not saving. What should their ideal percentage be? Like, I mean, I don't it's, know. If, it's kind of age-based is the thing. Yeah. Uh, and how far behind the power curve are mm-hmm. you, right? When you're yeah. just starting a small percentage and just start to fill the bucket up. Just do something. Yeah. It's yeah. like any activity is better than zero. And that's true at any point. But the power of compounding is amazing, right? If you mm-hmm. start early and you start storing up money in an account and it's earning interest, and then the interest that it earns earns interest, and then that interest earns interest on the interest, there's a point at which how much you're contributing is less than the interest that it is earning. And if it really grows for a while, this blows people away, but it really does happen. You reach a point when the nest egg is so big that it's earning more than you were earning working. And I believe we have a calculator on our website at littlejohnfs.com where you can go and you can just punch in the numbers. It's not complex, right? Like what if I put in $100 a month into my retirement account and it averages 7% Right? Per and, year and, for and 30 years. In a tax-deferred environment. Yeah. Right? And it and you'll be blown away. Play around with the numbers. And, you know, if you want to be more clever about it, you can also factor in inflation. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because your purchasing power is going to be different, but it's still going to be, generally speaking, the, the, I mean, historically, the, the, the markets have produced returns that are more than inflation. So you are gaining purchasing power, not just preserving, but gaining purchasing power through investing over time. Mm-hmm. And, and this is played out again and again and again. And I said this before on air, too, but like, like what would make it not play out? I mean, a, cata- a black swan event is what we call it, where, you know, yeah. horrific market timing where you needed mm-hmm. giant withdrawals at a point where the market collapsed. Yeah. Okay. But here's the other thing. Like, find me a time when the markets have stayed collapsed. Hmm. Right? Like, stayed collapsed. I'm not saying they haven't done it, but they re- they recover over time. And it's usually, you know, three or four years and they recover. And then they go on to all-time highs again. Here's the only thing I could see that would really throw it out of whack. Is if we abandoned the capitalist foundation of the system. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're no longer then all the bets are off. Yeah. If you no longer own the product of your labor and, you you know, so like you're just told what to do and you get what you get. Then, yeah, all bets are off. But until or unless that happens, and I hope it's an unless. Right. And it doesn't seem like that's a necessity that we go down that path. There's the people that are advocating for it. And I, you know, I'll take issue with that. But unless that's t- going to occur capitalism tends to to self-correct even in periods of extremes like that's the weird now we've talked about what if the government gets too big and it can't feed itself well nations rise and fall okay but i'll reference to people remember we used to almost be two nations right the confederacy attempted it and it failed it's not like all of the assets of the confederacy vanished Mm -hmm. they were repatriated into a different economic system right they went from confederate dollars to just u.s dollars it took some time and there was some pain but these things capitalism corrects it Mm -hmm. because it's in its best interest to correct it and assets have value so that's what we like to invest that way is that because that's how it tends to work out but i digress we're we're a little off the beaten path of retirement plan that's the one thing is first and foremost you got to save in the plan yeah so that's that's my kind of piece to listeners what's something that you'd say so, yeah, yeah, that would probably be the first one. Is you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta play the game. Yeah, got to be in it. 
I think the for it's it's more about if you know if you have this option is how can you best utilize it right mm -hmm. um, it can be very passive like it doesn't take a lot of effort here you usually go in and kind of set it and it's not that you need to set it and forget it but there are so many built-in risk management features of a 401k plan because you're putting money I'm using 401k you know generically but any workplace retirement maybe you have a simple IRA maybe you have a SEP IRA maybe you have a 403b plan maybe you have a 457 plan right there's lots of different variants of workplace retirement plan but they all have this kind of foundation of you get to put some money in and your employer may put some in not every employer does and the question and it's probably still in your best interest to do so probably still okay so let's let's talk a little bit about maybe why and how uh, generically, not, not a specific advice. Remember, we can't do that on the air because financial advisors have weird rules. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about like how much should you be putting into the plan or where should the money be going in different circumstances? And we can unpack that. But okay. first, obscene profit break. So we're going to take a break. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM at 1240 KQEN. Okay, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. I don't know why we say that every time. I don't know. Like our listeners are like, well, yeah, you're still the same guy. Um, so welcome back. Okay, we're talking employee and employer retirement plans. Yep. And, uh, Part of your, if you're wondering, like, why and do I care? Yeah, you probably care. Um, and I, I want to talk nuts and bolts for a minute. You're an employee. You're in a retirement plan. Uh, first thing we established, Matt, is got to participate, right? Yep. Okay, so that's the low-hanging fruit, especially if there's an employer match. You want it to be, you want to get that match. Well, what are some things that everybody should know about these plans? First of all, there can be structural details to these plans, depending on what you have. Uh, 401k plans tend to have more options, mm -hmm. whereas if you work for uh, – now, pensions are even different than that. Okay, So like if you're in PERS or something, there's a different set of options. One of the things you need to be aware of is there's something known as vesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, No, it's not wearing a vest. Vests are so 2002. So, I, yeah. I feel like they are, right? Yeah. Uh, so – it's it mean investing as in how much if if you if you get uh, a match from mm -hmm. an employer you don't so, get to keep all of it unless you're there for a certain period of time right. basically it's basically an earn in where you've been around long enough that you are eligible to keep everything mm -hmm. okay so there are schedules for this depending on where you are now a lot of people miss something about this this is a really important detail if ever you put money into a retirement plan where you have deferred this from your paycheck. So this is not the employer making a match, but you put the money in. There is no vesting schedule for that. Okay? Like, that's a big deal to understand. That's you mean yours. on the portion that you contributed? Right. On yeah. your contribution, that's yours. Right? You put a dollar in the plan, it belongs to you. Mm hmm Okay? Uh, if the employer matches some money in there, there may or may not be a vesting schedule. It depends. Mm -hmm. How would you know if there's a vesting schedule? Well, first of all, you could ask. <laughs> you could ask. Okay. 
Yeah. Um <laughs> 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 uh, there's there's the low hanging fruit. Who do you ask? Um, well, probably your HR department. Sure. Yeah. And if you don't have an HR department, ask the boss. There you go. Okay. And if the boss doesn't know, ask the person that's administering the plan. The plan, yeah. Okay. But most of the time, there's a plan description. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you have a simple plan, there are some plans out there for employers, and so this is kind of uh, the employee doesn't care that much about it. The employer does. But you care as an employee because it defines how much money is going to be in the match and so forth and how much you can put in the plan. Because a lot of retirement plans, if it's not a pension plan, are sort of referred to behind the scenes as defined contribution plans. Mm. Okay, You've now been let in on an industry secret. You know the language that they use to sound fancy. Right. And remember, fancy language, you know what that's for? It's for making it expensive. Oh, right. If you can make it sound scary and fancy, it costs more. Right. It's like, that's not mashed potatoes. It's a uh, smashed au gratin or something like yeah. that. You're like, you mean mashed potatoes, right? No, no, no. If I say it this way, it costs twice as much. Hey, <laughs> okay, fancy restaurant. We Got should it. try that. We should try that at the office now. <laughs> so when, when you talk about, uh, the, the the plan types here, the defined contribution plan means there's a certain amount that you can put into the plan. Like you're allowed to put only so much in. Mm-hmm. Okay, like in an IRA, for example, not a workplace plan typically. Are you talking just a regular, yeah, regular traditional IRA, IRA or Roth IRA? You can't put like $100,000 in that plan. I think they cap it at like 6500 Or yeah, yeah, maybe it's seven grand this year. Yeah. But, but it's there's a limit to how much you're allowed to put in because it's a defined contribution. Mm-hmm. But okay. this was more of a 401k show. Well, right? the and 401k show, higher contribution limits. That's the piece that people need to know about. Yeah, so you want to know which plan because you might have a simple IRA. Mm-hmm. Okay, And a lot of small businesses do this. Right, A small business says, hey, you know what? This is an easy plan for us to put in place. And the state of Oregon has requirements for small businesses. Right, Small businesses have to have retirement plans or they'll auto-enroll you in the Oregon Saves Program. I think that's what it's called. That is basically a Roth IRA, which can produce other problems if you earn too much money. Right. Now, if you're ineligible for a Roth IRA and you get enrolled in one, that's a problem. I, I just want to jump into it. But what yeah. about the Roth option inside of a 401k. Okay, so yeah, you're jumping all over the place, but that's yeah. real, and there's not an income limit. That's, that's where, where I was trying to go with this, exactly. Right, but all right, since we're playing this game, mm-hmm. here's the trick question, and by the way, I'm totally setting Matt up for this, so we'll see how he does. Okay. Okay, why would that be a bad idea, potentially? A bad idea yes. for someone to contribute. Yeah, it may be good and it may not be good. Well, what would make so, the Roth option in a four hundred one k a bad? Here's option? What, here's an. I think I got you here. All so, right, all right. Um, if you're a really high earner, okay, mm-hmm. you might need the tax break now. So, not going the Roth option, going the traditional route inside of your four hundred one k, you could lower your taxable amount now because if in retirement you know, your income levels are going to be a lot different, it might be better to get the tax savings now than to defer all of the, you know, money into the Roth. Right. The idea being that if your future tax rate is going to be lower than your current tax rate, 
putting money in a Roth basically means that you're going to pay the higher rate today right and you won't benefit we'll from just the lower play rate the, the extremes here like i yeah. love to play the extremes and so that is a real extreme example here uh in practice what we most often see is high earners mm -hmm. their income doesn't drop radically right. in the future if they're developing uh assets that continue to pay them right right so you find yourself still in a pretty high tax bracket later and the roth gives you more flexibility because you can access it and the taxes have already been paid Mm-hmm. Okay, so so it may be an interesting planning option for you. Okay. So and how do you know if it's a good planning option? Ooh, ooh. Can I sell it right here? Oh man. <laughs> you might want to reach out to a financial professional. Yeah. And Is this it, where we flash our number on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Do you see the hard sell right there? No, but in all honesty, um, we don't start running the meter right out of the gate, right? Like we're more than willing to take a look because the four hundred one k might not be the right piece for you. I mean, well, maybe I mean, it's a simple plan, right? Well, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Now we're we're we're, we're oh, I'm jumping us all we're, around. We're gonna let me clarify what Matt's saying, just because he's absolutely right. It is. But it depends on which hat are you wearing. Are you the employer or the employee? Mm -hmm. right? If you're the employee, you don't really get a choice. Right. right? Yeah, the employer yeah. chose for you. If, the, if you have a 401k option, that's your option. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you're an employer and you're deciding, hey, I'd like to offer a retirement plan or the state says I must, which one should I offer? Yeah. Okay. Now, that's a whole different thing. Now there are decisions to make as an employer about what you want to do. So I don't want to muddy the water too much for our listeners because a lot of you guys aren't business owners mm -hmm. and you're going like, what do I need to know about whether or not I'm going to choose a 401k? You don't. You just need to know that whatever option you have, that one, you should participate in it. And two, that you should pay attention enough to not uh, invest in something inside of it that's inappropriate. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, you could mean a couple different things here, so I'm curious. Yeah, so angle. there may or may not be a menu inside of your plan. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. The menu meaning that you might have a self-directed retirement plan option that you can go in and choose the investments that you want to invest in from a menu that's provided to you by your employer. Or you might not, in which case you're along for the ride and you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Hmm. <laughs> I tell that to like my seven-year-old, right? But I want choices, David, and I'm pounding my fists on the table. Okay, so if you want choices, first of all, if you're still employed, mm -hmm. you're, you can lobby with your HR and the plan sponsor. You yeah. Can, you can say, I want the choice. Mm -hmm. However... You might not get it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. exactly. You're, you're not the decision maker, then that's, that's the issue. If you are a decision maker, then you have some decisions around how much complexity do I want to deal with, how much cost am I willing to deal with, and how much liability am I willing to maintain? Because when you're a plan sponsor, you have a certain fiduciary obligation to your participants. Mm -hmm. Okay, This is where it gets slightly more complex. And I don't want to scare anybody that's out there with a retirement plan that's your plan sponsor. I'm not saying like, ooh, you know, the boogeyman's coming to get you for this. That's not what I mean. It just means that you want to follow the rules and you don't want to, uh, for example, do a, a bundled plan 
where everybody gets the same investment. And let's say you've got some people that are really young and some people that are really old. And as the plan sponsor, you invest super conservatively and the young people are along for the ride right. and they're not getting something that's appropriate for them. Right, you've invested everyone the same way based on what it is that you want as the plan sponsor, not on the behalf of what's best for the employees. Right. Everybody's kind of close in age. You maybe can make the case that it's the most cost effective, administratively it's sensible and so forth, and so you can do that. And I've seen business owners choose this option because they want to do specialty things like try to buy real estate inside of their retirement plan mm -hmm. or something like that. Can you get in trouble if you're not <laughs> acting on behalf of what's best for the other employees? So, so maybe is yeah. the answer. Maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always say uh, this is one of those things that you don't necessarily tread into clumsily. Right. Because uh, while the probability that a problem occurs is pretty low, if it occurs, do you really want that liability? Yep. And uh, you know, maybe maybe you're willing to accept that risk. But I can't really say on air, like, you know what you ought to do is just take on a bunch of risk by being reckless. Mm -hmm. That seems like a dumb idea to me. And if you fear that you might have endangered the plan, you can always give us a call and we might be able to look at yeah, it Yeah, I you. mean, th that is for, for any business owners out there, a lot of folks don't don't realize that that's part of the package that, that we yeah. help with. You may have an advisor too. Uh, the main thing is just get the help one way or yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, you're, there's a good chance that you're okay too. It's Again, it's not like there's this whole gotcha out there where you're gonna mess this up. If you're offering a retirement plan to your employees, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Right, a lot of small businesses can barely afford to do that kind of thing. So, if you have that option, that's wonderful. What we're talking about is for again, if you're a participant, how do you leverage it so that you're getting the best out of it? And that is one: participate, understand your vesting schedule, ask for a plan description, or in the four hundred one k landscape, summary plan description. Oh, can I throw one out there? Yeah, maybe if don't de-risk yourself too soon. I've seen people do that. Um, what do and, you mean? Well, you know, and I think. I can't throw all target date funds under the bus, right? But oftentimes people will choose their investment mix, but they they cap their upside by oftentimes taking on um, a fund or some type of investment vehicle that doesn't have, um, you know, it's not a great investment for them based on their age and the returns that they need in order to achieve the the financial goals that they want in the future. All right. Here's what I want to do. Yep. I want everybody listening to hang on to what Matt just said, because I think there's something really critical that we're going to bolt onto it, but we have to take our last break. Ah. Okay. So stick around because that the, the question is like, if you got this menu and you're de-risking, mm -hmm. um, how do you know if that's happening or not? And how do you know if it's appropriate? Yeah, well, there's so much that goes into it. We're, I have just a couple of thoughts on that. We've got to take this last break first. So stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM at 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show, where we left you hanging at the break. Yeah. Um, Matt, you were talking about how people sometimes. Uh, you're getting into the investment side of yeah. like people will de-risk their accounts and their retirement plan on accident. Yes. Okay? So um, 
just briefly recap. I mean, like the target date fund conundrum. Yeah, so a target date fund, to make it really simple, is an investment where as you get older and as time goes on, the fund itself takes on less and less risk as it approaches its mm-hmm. its targeted date. It sort of automatically yeah. becomes more conservative as it approaches a specified right. time. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I've noticed at least is sometimes, like say you plan to retire in 2060, um, and here we are in 2050, fast forward. What if in that last 10 years where you really need to build some wealth and you're trying to achieve that snowball effect, what if it backs the risk off too soon? and you don't get enough growth in those last 10 years, that could be an issue, and it could really negatively affect how much money you have in retirement. Or I'll give you another example just to piggyback this. Uh, You go through a period where we're in rising rate environment, and you have a a prospectus that says, hey, we have to switch to more fixed income to become more conservative, but fixed income is not conservative in a rising rate environment. Mm -hmm. So you didn't de-risk your portfolio, and so the strategy was not really fitting to what you needed to accomplish. And so the danger here is that you can uh, sort of fall asleep at the switch, if you will. Yeah, you you really do need to know the investments. Yeah. Here's the other issue, is that you may have other investments. And this is where I was going to go with it, is that you might have investments outside of your retirement plan at work, and are they coordinated, right? Is one hand watching the other? Mm -hmm. It's probably the most common thing that we run into when you have multiple advisors. Okay, so uh, some people go out there and they put a little money with different people all over the place. And uh, the upshot to that is, okay, well, maybe you're more diversified, you get different opinions and so forth. But the downside is, is one hand watching the other? Do you have a bunch of duplication of effort, duplication of fees, and you're getting less sort of bang for your buck because you're spread too thin in the wrong spots? Yeah, and okay. then you can also duplicate the investment style where the money is all doing the same type of thing yeah. inadvertently. So yeah, this is the problem too with a lot of mutual funds is if you don't look at the overlap inside of it, you know, you own three different mutual funds that are, you know, sixty percent overlap. So mm-hmm. you don't have a bunch of added diversification. What you have is added complexity. And exactly. So that doesn't necessarily accomplish what you're shooting for. Mm-hmm. So Well, think- and what if all of those mutual funds that you hold are all just based on the same index? Well now you just own yeah. the index, well, right? If like they all have a really high R squared value. Then mm-hmm. you basically became a phantom indexer and paid for it too. Yeah. So uh, you know, if you don't know what that is, see me after class. Uh, but because we talked about it on the show before, yep. you know, phantom indexing is a, just a way to pay too much for an index fund. It's really what it is. Yes. And uh, we don't want to be doing that as investors. So um, I have one final thing that I wanted to add to the program. Hit me with it, David. I'm ready. It's the idea that at some point you may have a retirement plan and you leave your employer. And typically you have some options and it's going to depend on a number of things. It's going to depend on the type of plan you have. Is it a defined contribution plan like we've talked about? Mm -hmm. Or is it a defined benefit plan, also known as a pension plan? Right. So PERS is one of these examples. Uh, And PERS is kind of interesting today because if you're a tier two or three, you have the IAP account in there as well, which for all intents and purposes looks a lot like an IRA. Mm -hmm. Well, the question is whether or not you leave your retirement plan where it is or if you take control of it personally and roll it over and do something else with it. And we see people debate that all the time. They have a pension. Do I take the monthly stipend or do I take the cash value? And I just want to say on air. You probably should get a second opinion if you don't know what you're doing. If right. you know what you're doing, fine, whatever. But yeah, it, it, don't just roll the dice and. The the issue at play for me is that 
it's not a cookie cutter answer. No, okay? it's, it's not. It's circumstantially dependent. So each of you is going to be different in terms of what you need and what you want. Can I use a really radical example? Better hurry. We only got about a minute left. What if your health is horrible? Maybe That's it doesn't radical. make maybe it doesn't make sense to take the pension at five hundred dollars a month. Maybe you would be better off to take the cash value. Yeah, take the lump sum. We see that all the right. time. Right, and the other issue is sometimes rolling over doesn't put you in a better spot. No, nope. maybe it increase maybe it improves your menu of options. Maybe it doesn't. There are cost considerations. There are tax considerations. So uh, the the question is, you find know, a if fiduciary. Just says automatically, oh, you should roll over your retirement plan. I would red say flag. Yeah, that, that yeah, you need to unpack it more than that. Uh, it may or may not be right, and and that is the fiduciary answer. Yes, uh, and and be careful about that because mm. the person encouraging you to do that often it is in their best interest that you do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now it doesn't mean it's a bad idea. We roll these plans all the time, and it's because there's an upgrade in a lot of other things that make it worth it. So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying pay attention. Okay. Bro. All right. And with that. The music is playing, and we it's the end of the show. So one last time, Matt, how do they reach us if they need help? 541-375-0898, or check us out on our website at littlejohnfsisinfinancialservices.com. All right, well, we're out of time. So until next time, this is David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Thanks for tuning in to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.